You are listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, a Canadian guide to building dependable wealth. Join your hosts, Richard Canfield and Jason Lowe, as they unlock the secrets to creating financial peace of mind in an uncertain world. Discover the strategies and mindsets to a financial future that you can bank on. Get our simple seven-step guide to becoming your own banker. It's easy. Head over to sevensteps.ca and learn exactly the learning process required for you to implement this amazing strategy into your financial life. That's sevensteps.ca. How on earth do you protect your intellectual property? And what is intellectual property? What kind of an asset can it be for you and your business? And how can you go about making sure that you can have a lasting impact with the property you create with this thing? Well, we are joined together today by Devin Miller, who is a patent attorney. He lives in Utah. He's worked for large firms helping Fortune 100 clients with their intellectual property. But he realized that startups and small businesses needed to understand this. They needed to recognize the power of patents and trademarks and copyrights so that they could have the same advantage as the big guys. As a small business owner, Devin wanted to provide a resource for them so that they could maximize the value of their intellectual property. So we're here to learn about IP and how IP can be such a value to you and how do you go about protecting these amazing and incredible ideas that you have. Devin, we're so happy to have you on the program here and joining us with uh, Wealth Without Bay Street. Awesome. Well, that was uh, an awesome introduction. Makes us our intellectual property sound uh, really cool, which is uh, it's not the norm. So I appreciate the introduction and excited to be here. Well, Devin, you know, it's we, funny we, you say it's not the norm. I'd be curious to hear uh, uh, how how, <laughs> how those conversations go when people reach out to you and they say, "I've got some IP," and I'm sure a lot of times it's that it's that you actually let them know that they have IP and how they should protect it. That might be the way it shows up from time to time. Yeah, I mean, I think that on a on a whole, that uh, one is people have the perception that anytime you have to talk with an attorney, it's uh, never a fun experience, which probably is true for most of the time. So that's that's kind of the the conception. Now, I get to work with the fun stuff, and I get to help people as they're building their business and expanding it and growing it and looking to protect it. And so I get to have that uh, that uh, fun side of the job. But uh, generally, I'm just used to people saying, "Oh, I got to go or go work with an attorney," and this is probably going to cost me an arm and a leg. And what am I going to have to show for it. So I just, uh, I like the introduction just because uh, it, uh, it makes it sound a lot, or it sound pretty cool. It's amazing. And it, so when you think of, you know, the whole topic of intellectual property, so why, why would it be intellectual to protect your intellectual property? If you, if you were to reference an example of, you know, maybe an existing business owner, um, an entrepreneur, and maybe an example of what would be most common in the realm of intellectual property. Yeah, no, I would back up and, and, and to answer your question just a little bit um, and or kind of look and see why is it called intellectual property in the first place. And, you know, it really, if you're to think about it, it, it makes sense in the sense that you have real property, right? So you have a house, a car, land, uh, you know, whatever that might be, and that's all real property, and so, you know, you have ownership of that. You have a title to your house, you have a title to your car, you have the receipts or, you know, all those things. Now, what it gets into be a, a little bit more difficult is when you get into kind of those intellectual things. So how do you own an idea or how do you own an invention or how do you capture the value for all that time, money and effort to create an innovation that 
you know, it's kind of like the magic trick. Once you know how it's done, it's a lot of, you know, the magic is gone and it's a lot easier to replicate, but yet it takes a lot of time, money and effort to make the original uh, innovation. And so that's kind of where intellectual property steps in as it allows people to capture all of that time, money and effort going into creating the business that oftentimes isn't necessarily in physical or, or tangible type of uh, products. And so mm. if you to then take, you know, intellectual property is as opposed to real property is that intellectual nature. And so kind of be able to look at what intellectual property includes, it kind of breaks down to three areas. And so you have patents, trademarks, copyrights, right? Patents are going to go towards protecting an invention. Trademarks are going to go towards protecting a brand and copyrights are going to go towards protecting a creative, like a book, a sculpture, painting, those type of things. And so each business is different, you know, so we'll work with some that, Hey, if you were to be creating a brand and you're going to do awesome customer service, or you're going to do, you know, really, uh, you know, innovative, you know, cool branding or marketing, that's what you're going to protect is under trademark, vice versa. We also work with a lot of fun co our customers that have our clients that have uh, created new innovations that are kind of unique and different, solve a problem, and then they go under patents. And so kind of a uh, unique uh, is uh, with each business, but it gives you kind of a way to capture that value. Well, and the significance of doing that especially if you're dealing with a business that gradually over a period of time moves through those stages of, you know, startup to being durable, to being scalable, that intellectual property has value. It has appraisable value and, and that can be leveraged in favor of continuing to grow the company to, you know, in favor of growing the value of the business so that at some point down the road, if you decide to to exit or you have some, you know, plan to do that, that intellectual property is a whole basket of value that can either come along with the sale of the business or be sold separately altogether or even licensed. There's so many great ways that you can utilize it, but you have to claim it. You have to go through a process. Yeah, exactly. And so and, and that's kind of what it's there for is, you know, I. It would, there's a train line of thought, which I obviously would disagree with it. Hey, you can't own an idea. You can't own a brand and it should be free for all and just go and compete in the marketplace. The problem is, is it disincentivizes a lot of investment in businesses, right? If you right. thought, Hey, if I'm going to go and I could go and create the next, whether it's the next iPhone or the next Facebook or the next, you know, whatever innovation pick it, but it's going to cost me hundred million dollars to go and uh, to create that brand, create the innovation, get it into the marketplace, you know, and I'm making up the numbers and you're going to say, but as soon as it's out there, somebody can come along, they can or create the uh, uh, knockoff business with the same brand. They can come and copy all of our technology and all our innovations are going to say, it's not worth it. And so it's really gives you kind of that ability to say, Hey, if I'm going to invest all of my time, money, and effort into building a business, I want to capture that. And so one, that I can protect it, but two, also that if I ever sell it, I li I can license it, I can uh, get acquired or anything else, then I actually can capture that value. And so what would, what would you say is one of the you know biggest misconceptions? So for, you know, especially again, your focus being more on the startup and the small business owner. You know they're 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 probably in a, especially in the startup phase. I mean they're just focused on getting up, getting off the ground. You know, getting up and running. Small business owner maybe they've got five to ten years under their belt. They they they've got some great systems in place. They're trying to hit their they're starting to hit their stride. What would you say is keeping them 
away from engaging or or connecting with an IP lawyer to to look at harnessing that value? What, what are some of the misconceptions that you hear? Why they haven't initiated earlier, or or you know some of the things they just don't understand about the process? Yeah, I'd say a, a couple, and I'm sure there's plenty, but at least a couple come to mind. One is that it's going to be expensive, and anytime you deal with a, a professional, whether it's doctor, lawyer, mechanic, a, you know, any services, it's, you know, you're paying for their expertise. And so there's, there is, you know, there's that conception or misconception that, well, I'm not going to get the value for what I'm paying for, you know, maybe I can do it myself. And that's kind of the, the other thing that, you know, the internet has made everybody an expert on everything, especially now chat GPT just made everybody an expert on everything. And so people think one is, you know, what am I paying for? And two, I could probably just do this myself. And the, and I understand that you're a startup, you're a small business, you have limited budgets, you have limited funds, you're bootstrapping, you're trying to cover as much basis as possible. But I think people start to get into there where they think that, hey, if I do this DIY, do it myself, I can do it just as good. And I can spend 10 minutes on the internet and it's going to replace years of uh, experience and going to law school and all those things. And that DIY culture, I think, is led sometimes people down the wrong path to where, they do it, but they don't really have the value. They're not capturing it. So I file a trademark myself, but now I'm it's all done improperly and I don't didn't really cover my brand the way I need and it leaves a lot of holes open. Or I file a patent application myself and I prepare it and or I have chat GPT write it and then I file it and lo and behold, it doesn't really give me the coverage or the extent. And I run into problems and it's usually more expensive if you can fix those down the road than just to fix that. So I think that's kind of one of the the DIY culture, the internet and all those things that come into it, which I certainly get where it comes from. But you know, there is a, a trade off when when you're doing it yourself, it'd be kind of like, you know, the analogy I always use is, you could if you wanted to have shelter over a over your head, you have a few options. One is you can just go and try and build or build something yourself with no, no resources whatsoever. You'll build something that's better than absolutely nothing. But uh, you know, it's not that great. You can go buy a DIY book or or watch a YouTube video, probably a little bit better, and it's going to be better than nothing at all, but it's not going to replace going and hiring someone that has the experience, the background, that's been a builder, that can build you the, you know, do all the electricity, do all the plumbing, make sure it's structurally sound and has all of the amenities that you're looking for. And you're just going to have to look at uh, with your business, what does your budget allow and what, you know, how valuable is it to you? And then based on that, you got it, you know, you accept it accordingly. So that's probably one of the the misconceptions that seems to, to be popping up more and more and or as the, as uh, the internet and technology progresses. Well, and that's why we would definitely recommend that anyone who's viewing, watching, and you want to go down that path of identifying what intellectual property may already be, uh, may have already been created that you should be protecting or looking ahead at your business planning and the initiatives that you're building and how you can be very proactive in protecting it and working with a subject matter expert who lives and breathes this day in and day out. And so we're, we're going to make sure uh, as we do with all of our guests that we have uh, all of the appropriate contact info, how people can get to learn more about you and how people can connect with you and your team to uh to go down that path hmm. yeah no i think so and i said it's, it's it sounds like a little bit of a self-serving answer which is an attorney telling you, you should probably go to an attorney in order to um you know 
to be able to get something done, but it wouldn't be any or much different than if you were to go to a doctor and say, Hey, I'm, I'm not feeling well, what can you do to help me out? You right. can also read online. So it's one of those where I think it's, uh, you know, the, you get what you pay for and to the ability and extent that you are able to have, you know, have a professional do the things that you don't have the experience in the background in is always beneficial to the business. Become your own banker and take back control over your financial life. Hey, is this even possible? You may be asking, can I even do this? Well, you better believe it. In fact, it's easy to get going. So easy that we've put together a free report, Seven Simple Steps to Becoming Your Own Banker. Download it right now. Go to sevensteps.ca. That's sevensteps.ca. Now let's get back to the episode. What would be some examples, Devin, of, uh, you know, I guess an IP gone wrong scenario. So maybe it's not, not starting the process at all, not having the protections in place or, or an example like you identified where, Hey, someone went the D DIY route and they, maybe they got a trademark, let's say, but they didn't, they did a poor job of actually protecting it and knowing how to do that. So, so what's some of the the pitfalls and examples maybe of, you know, without naming names, perhaps of an example of a business that that tried to do something like that might be in your purview. Yeah, I'll give you a, maybe a, a couple examples. Um, you know, maybe one on the patent front, another one on the the trademark front. You know, if I were to say on the patent front, one of the things, and without naming names, and are making sure I maintain confidentiality, um, that's uh, come up is you'll get you know, it's, but it usually hits more on startups and small businesses just because they're less experienced in a lot of the intellectual property realm. But you'll get businesses that will come into my office and they'll say, hey, I've got a great product, a great innovation. We've been into been in the market for about three years now, and we didn't have the budget or the time or the ability to get a patent on it. But now we're starting to see some knockoffs and we're wanting to make sure we get that protection in place. And then I get the less than fun conversation, which is within patent law. There is a rule that anytime from the first instance you put anything out in the public, so that could be on a website, offering it for sale, you could be doing pre or presentations, trade shows, putting it out in the public, you have one year within which you can file a patent application on. Mm. If you miss that one year window, you've now just donated your invention to the public so anybody can uh, create or create and copy that product. And so, you know, when they come in and they say it's been out for two or three years and, you know, the flags automatically go up and you say, well, you know, it's awesome. The business is doing well. I'm glad that it's, uh, you know, it is uh, going well for you. You're able to make some revenue. Unfortunately, you miss a window on patents. And so you're not able to at least protect your current uh, iteration or your current invention. Now, the conversation usually evolves into now as you continue to iterate, make new you know, innovations, you um, you get generation two or three of the product, you can protect those future innovations. And I would recommend that you do. But there's been people that are, you know, were unaware of those deadlines, miss the window. And now what they're getting or what they have out in the marketplace, they don't really have any protection. And they're trying to figure out how to protect against, um, you know, people that are copying it or knocking it off. The other one that a lot of times will come up is on now we'll give you a, a trademark example which is, you know, a lot of times as a startup or a small business, you're getting out there and, you know, when you're creating a brand, you're just trying to get any traction, any attention or anything you can. And so with most of, or pretty much all of intellectual property, the person that files on a trade or on any intellectual property, whether it's a patent or trademark first is in the best situation. And so sometimes we'll have clients that will come into the office and they'll say, 
hey, we've been in you know business for a few years. We built up a brand. We've got some really good following. And now we're starting to see, again, competitors that are either copying the brand outright and just are confusing our customers, or we're seeing people that are using something similar to what we're doing. And maybe it's not exact. What, what are our options and what can we do? You know, sometimes it'll come back. We'll say one is come to find out you weren't the original person that actually started using that. And one of your competitors were, and now you've got an issue with you're probably infringing their trademark that they filed on. And so now you either have to try and go negotiate a license with that competitor or you have to go through the time, money, and expense to rebrand or do you know something of that nature, which can typically be a lot more time, money, and effort than if you just done it right the first time. And so that, that a lot of times of you know you have to balance when you're bootstrapping, where your budget goes. It can't you, you know as a small business, you always have more things to spend money on than money to spend, and so you always have to balance that. But you also have to look at if you are going to put in that investment to build a business. What are the critical things that you need to protect and how are you going to do that? And what kind of order and milestones and, and uh, when do you approach that? So those would be a couple of examples. And is it typically, you know, in a situation where whatever your enforcement approach is, does it become, uh, you know, a tennis match where it's like, you're violating. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Or is it, you know, are there different forms of enforcement strategies that make it very crystal clear and you're not, you know, dragging the process out for several months or years only to arrive at, maybe we should settle this. Well, why didn't we talk about that 18 months ago when we got started to begin with? And why should the onus be on the property owner to settle? Yeah, I mean... I'll give you the the standard lawyer answer, which seems like it's always a go-to answer for a lawyer, which is it depends, mm. but I'll give you a little bit more context. I mean, where it depends sometimes is on the size of the business and, you know, where they're at. You know, there is a difference if you're a startup and the person that's infringing you is a startup, neither of you get, you know, a lot of times neither of you really have the funds or the ability to go back and forth for years in the court system and going and doing that. So you're more inclined to figure it out or to otherwise resolve the issue without having to go down that longer, more protracted, more expensive, you know, court. But on the other hand, you're two big businesses, or if you're a small business and the other one's a big business, the big business may say, Hey, you're probably in the right, but we can outspend you and we can drag this out. So now you're going to have to do, uh, uh, deal with that. Now there's strategies to deal with that as well in the sense that, yeah, you may be a small startup, but every large business always has a competitor. Yeah. Apple has Samsung, Nike has Adidas, you know, um, all of those, you know, or Pepsi has Coca-Cola and they always have their competitor. So while you may not have the funds or the ability to go out and enforce it right off, you can go to the number two or number three competitor and say, hey, we've got this great brand or great trademark or great patent. We can't enforce it, but you're in a position where it should be, it'd be valuable to you. Would you like to license it, acquire it or otherwise uh, look mm -hmm. to enforce it? And so those those are kind of the options. You know, and so it it can it can honestly depend. The other one it it varies on is how strong your case is. So you know, it's not always clear cut. You know, you always watch it on TV, and there's always a person that's absolutely in the wrong, and always a person that's absolutely in the right. Yeah. And yet, most of the time, when somebody comes into my office, I usually figure what they're telling me is about half true, and what the other side is telling me is about half true, and then the the on or the actual answer lies somewhere in the middle. Now that varies, but you know, if you're in a very strong position. 
typically it goes away quicker because the other side is going to say, hey, we don't want to go down this road only to lose and, and, and get damages against us and all that. If on the other hand, you're in a weak position and yeah, you're mad and you're, you know, unhappy that they're doing it, but what they're doing is legal. You're probably going to, again, not want to expend the funds. If you're talking to hopefully at least with a good attorney and to say your odds are pretty, are pretty bad here, you'd probably better to look to resolve this some other way. So it, it's kind of an equation, but there's a lot of different avenues that you can take depending on size of the business, the strength of your position and, you know, what your end goal is. Very, very interesting. And and what does that process look like for a prospective client when they engage, you know, with your yourself and your team? Yeah, I mean, now it depends again now, but it, it varies a bit. Just, uh, you know, when we have someone come in the office, every every situation is going to be different. In other words, you're going to look and say, how old is a business? How much funds do you have? How strong of case do you have? What is the case? Have you reached out to the other side? Are they amenable to settle? All of those things. And so every time we have someone come in, it's usually, hey, let's sit down. Let's hear what's going on. What is the backstory? Kind of where, what is the position? And then let's craft a strategy that actually works for that situation. And sometimes it's, hey, you don't really want an attorney or it wouldn't make sense to pay us. Now, I'd love to get paid, but I always want to give them the you know the best answer. And other times it'd be, hey, here's what I would do in your shoes. And this is going to be longer, more expensive. But if your end goal is they're eroding into your bottom line and they're causing a lot of issues with your business, it's probably the investment while you would rather spend it other places that you need to make in order to protect the business. And so each time you kind of sit down, and you understand the situation, and then you go through and say, the other thing I usually like to do is here are your options. And I'll usually say, here are one options one, two, and three. And you know, I'll lay out their options first and, and say kind of here's what you could consider. Although we, you know, typically say, what do you recommend? And I'll say, well, I'll give you the pros and cons of each of the options, or that's what I already done. Here's what I would do in your situation. But I, you know, I'm not making the decision. I'm not the one that's expending the funds. I'm not the one that's, you know, is is impactful to. And so I can give you what I would do and here are the pros and cons. And then you're going to, whatever decision you want to make based on that knowledge, we're happy to assist with. Awesome. Do you find that you, you're having people come in to see you more at the beginning stages of, hey, I think I have some IP I'd like to protect? Or is it more of, we've gotten ourselves into maybe a little bit of hot water and we need to figure out uh, how do we, how do we go from here? Like they're, they're maybe running up against a competitor or the knockoff situation and they're trying to say, okay, do we, we need to protect what we've got or is it, Hey, I think I've got something that needs protecting. Can you, can you get us started on the right path uh, so that we can, you know, we can tackle this thing on a go forward basis. Um, you know, probably where we're positioned. So I tend to work more so on the what is called prosecution. So which means nothing to anybody unless you're a lawyer that's in the IP. But there's ten, it kind of splits into generally when you're an attorney, either do prosecution, which is that's going out and getting the patents, the trademarks, the copyrights, and going through that process to acquire them. And litigation is more of now you've got that problem that you've got that issue. And so the firm is set up to do both, where I tend to and love and enjoy and probably not intentionally push the firm more just in that ex or area to expand or to grow, but just because I have the personal 
enjoyment of it is more on helping the helping on the front end of getting those patents, those trademarks, that copyrights. And so that's generally when somebody comes into our office, they're more they're excited. Hey, we've got a business. We're started. We've got an idea. Can we get a, a patent? Or hey, we've been, we're starting a business. We've created this awesome thing. Here's a prototype. What do we do next? Or hey, we've got a a, a cool brand that we're building. We're going to be investing in it, launching it soon, or we just launched it. Now, how do we protect that as we invest in it? Those are usually the conversations now doesn't mean that we don't have either current clients or people come in our door that say, hey, we've got a problem. Somebody else is now infringing our trademark or, hey, we got this nasty cease and desist letter. Do we need to do or worry about this? That happens. But it, it's usually on the smaller amount, probably more just because passion of where we enjoy working tends to drive where the business heads. And it tends to be on the what I consider the more fun side of things. That's great. I'm, I'd be curious, you know, what are some of the, you know, a lot of technology advances in the last number of years, you know, AI, you mentioned chat uh, GPT earlier in our conversation. As we see more and more of those things coming to the forefront, and we live, I think, in an increasingly more uh, technological world, what do you find? Like, do you, do you find that that's creating and, and also just there's probably more information also available to people around IP process, etc., do you, do you find that it's causing more people to come up with ideas and, and fresh ideas on how they, what they might protect, even considering, you know, I mean, before, I mean, I've, I've heard of intellectual property before a lot, but it's only in the recently in the last, say, two years that I'm getting a lot more exposure to it, I would say, and, and, and understanding of it than knowing that it existed and it was something that you could protect 20 years ago to like, oh, in the last two years, like I starting to see areas that need protecting and becoming more aware of other people doing it, that I guess it, it's rising to the forefront just from my own personal uh, perspective. So I'm just kind of curious with technology and technological advances, are you seeing any change or, or increase in the questions and the, and the, the ideas even that are protectable that are coming into your office? I wouldn't say it's an increase. It's probably a shift in direction. And so, mm. you know, the ironic thing, and I can't remember who said it, it was like 100, 100, 150 years ago, somebody came out and said, well, I think basically everything that could be patented has already been patented and there's really no need for the patent office. And it's some famous person that I'm sure the, the name will come to at some point, or you can go Google it and it will tell you. Um, but, you know, so, and yet, Think 150 years ago versus today, we didn't have cars, we didn't have airplanes, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have smartphones, we didn't have uh, TVs or even flat screen TVs, we didn't have computer, we didn't have any of those innovations, and yet those have continued to come out. And so I don't know that it's a increase, but it's a shift. And so now it's hey, this is the area of technology that people are currently focused on. That there's a lot of market potential. Here's kind of what is um, you know going to be the next kind of phase of where people are headed or kind of what where people can incorporate. So I'd say that there's been a, a shift to where at least that, or for a portion of it of people looking at how do you leverage AI? How do you incorporate it? What do you do in those areas? How can it improve my business? How do I keep myself from being put out of a job and kind of those type of things? And so it's push innovation in that direction, at least currently. But I don't know that it's accelerated or decelerated that on its own. It's just caused that shift in where people tend to focus. Well, I can definitely say, though, uh, there's a lot more awareness being generated around the importance of protecting intellectual property. It's and, it, and it's probably to do, you know, probably to some degree, I, there has been, you know, a lot of, you know, shows like Shark Tank, as just as an example, you hear that mm -hmm. pop up a lot more. Hey, how do you have this protected? Do you have a patent on it? So people now that they've 
heard these things, or if you go to an investor, especially if you go in something that's software technology driven, they're going to say, what is proprietary and how is it protected? And so I do think that there has been an increase in maybe awareness as it shifted into more of the technological area that, hey, this is now something that I'm going to go spend a whole bunch of money. It's not physical, it's not tangible. And so it makes it a lot easier to copy or to knock off just because there isn't that, hey, I don't have to go set up a $5 million business with manufacturing with pro or tools with all of these things. And I can have somebody that's programming it or I can make a rud or rudimentary version myself. And so I think it may be on that sense, you're probably right that it has shifted people to think about it more just because, hey, this is now something that's less tangible. Exactly. And what advice would you give to entrepreneurs, regardless of the stage, if we're, if we're talking about business owners here for a second, what advice would you give to them, regardless of what stage their business is at? Would it be advisable to, you know, sit down with a team like yours to say, let's do an inventory of what may be property worth protecting. And is that a worthwhile exercise? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll caveat it. It's a biased answer, right? So you're asking an attorney, should you go or should you go talk with an attorney when you're or doing uh, or things related to intellectual property? But I would say, you know, as a trying to give as unbiased of an opinion as I can, I would say you at least want to get a plan in place. And so in other words, doing it earlier on when you're getting the business up and going, you may not be able to afford an attorney right now, or you may not be able to get everything going, but understanding, hey, here are the deadlines that are going to be trigger points or here are the milestones or here's what it's going to cost me in the future and what I should be anticipating setting that side or setting aside having that plan at whatever stage you're at I think is always beneficial to the business and you'll have a lot of attorneys on my our, our firm and myself included as well as others I'm not the only one they'll offer a free or consultation which I think is valuable if you get a good attorney to give you the consultation um, but you know that it will sit down you know, the 15, 20 minutes, and it's not going to be a long extended plan of every possible thing you could think of, but it gives you at least some direction of here's probably what you can consider first steps. Here's the dates that you should probably consider. Here's about what it's going to cost you. And it gives you that direction. So that's probably what I would recommend for any business, whatever stage, if you haven't gone through that is to go through that initial exercise. Perfect. On that note, Rich, yeah, it's, it sounds like the idea of a, a property protection plan, uh, intellectual property. I mean, in 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 physical property like a home, you've got home insurance and it protects you if the house burns down. So having a, a, re, a retainer, let's say, with a, with a lawyer who's very knowledgeable in this space to protect some of your future assets and your ideas, uh, to me, seems like it makes a lot of sense. And now on it's that logical. note- logical. If it's logical. And on, on that note, Devin, um, you know, you showed up to our incredible interview here today and you know, you, I noticed that when you came on camera, you weren't wearing a cape. Now, you may not recognize yourself as a superhero, but when you help people protect their incredible ideas so that the, the power of the human brain and the in, in ingenuity and the innovation that they come up with, which really drives many of the things you identified that we enjoy on a daily basis, all stem from someone's brain. You're in the business of protecting things that come out of those, those brains for their benefit and the benefit that they provide to the world. So uh, our question for you is, although you didn't show up as a superhero here today, you are actively being a superhero out in the marketplace with what you do. Who would you most want to be a hero to? Um, I'll probably go with the easy answer, which would be my wife and kids. In the sense that, you know, I don't... I, 
I, you know, first of all, I'm probably reasonably antisocial as far as I'm not a big people person. I don't have to be, you know, have a lot of people know my name or be in the crowds or have anything of that nature. And at the end of the day, when I look and say, who are the people that I want to be impactful in their lives? It's my wife and my kids. And so if I can be a superhero to them, or if I can set a good example, or I can do that, that's probably the number one focus for me. If I were to take it now in a business context and say, okay, that's a that's a, a cheat in order to say wife and kids, because that's always a go-to for everybody. It'd be those startups and those small businesses that we tend to work with in the sense that, so I've, you know, in addition to doing intellectual property and patents and trademarks and that myself, I've also done uh, several startups and small businesses. And I've done everything from a wearables business that I started in uh, college is still, um, still going today. And it's now an eight-figure business that, I don't have a, a, I'm pretty passive on it. Done a food truck. I've done a lead generation uh, software platform as well as intellectual property. And so I always look and say, how do I help them if I was in their shoes? And what would I want to know given that I've been on the other side? And if I can kind of be that hero or at least help them to protect and to avoid a lot of the pitfalls, then I, that would be the, the other one that I'd focus on. That's amazing. And uh, Devin, this was a real pleasure. Thank you. And we would encourage all of our uh, listeners and viewers uh, take some time to get to know Devin and his team, uh, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're just really either a, you've been exposed to the advantages of intellectual property and the protection of that, or you really want to go through a consultative process because you believe that you may have some IP that's worth protecting. And uh, so Devin, this was great. And to all our viewers and listeners, You've seen a playlist that has shown up thanks to our incredible team. Continue your journey of learning. The ne very next video that we've recommended you watch is to help you do that. And so make the rest of your week outstanding. Gentlemen, this was a lot of fun. Have an awesome rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, where your wealth matters. Be sure to check out our social media channels for more great content. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and be sure to rate the show. We definitely appreciate it. And don't forget to share this episode with someone you care about. Join us on the next episode where we continue to uncover the financial tools, strategies, and the mindsets that maximize your wealth.